Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Andrew, and after watching this movie, I think I'm excited for the big short coming up, <laughs> the, the movie about the, the financial collapse, that's uh, the dramatization, I should say, of the, um, the, the book, which I've read by Michael, Michael Brown, Michael, whatever his name is, the guy who wrote Moneyball. <laughs> oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that will explore the uh, the housing crisis in our native land. Um, Indeed. Today we get to discuss a film about a housing crisis in a, another land. Uh, Indeed. I'm Phil, your other co-host, and uh, when I first enrolled in uh, this program at Duke University for experimental and documentary arts, I thought, how could this possibly work as a discipline to unite both the experimental and the documentary but years later i found that it does work and the film that we're talking about today i think is a prime example of those two genres come together indeed indeed it is and we are fortunate enough to have the filmmaker of said film here the film is speculation nation and the filmmaker is bill brown say hi to everybody bill hello everybody (laughs) <laughs> All right. Hey, Bill. Uh, we're really excited to have you on the show, and we're really excited to get into the conversation. But real quick, a little bit of housekeeping. We want to let everybody know how to find us on the web. You can find us by going to our website at www.in-the-q. That's the letter Q.com. There you can find everything that we post. Uh, all of our episodes, there's a comment section where you can leave recommendations for films that you would like to see. We'll have you on the show. We'll talk to you about those movies. It's a whole lot of fun. Uh, we encourage you to do it. Um, and uh, you can also leave us feedback for the show. Any feedback is is good and useful feedback, so please do that. You can also do the same thing on our Facebook page by going to Facebook and searching for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And uh, there you can find all of the aforementioned items as well as some additional supplemental materials that we will post. Uh, links to articles or videos or uh, interviews with uh, with you know various different people associated with the film. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just humorous asides. Sometimes fun fun stuff. Yes. Uh, and you can finally find us on iTunes by searching for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And there you can subscribe to the podcast and get every single episode delivered straight to you. Mm. Well, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about the movie. Speculation Nation is the film. Uh, it is a documentary. And I will not even try to summarize it because we have the filmmaker himself here to summarize for us. Uh, Bill, give us an idea of what this film is about. Sure, and if I could just kick in. So I am one yeah. half of the directorial I should say, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's okay. Unfortunately, my partner, life and artistic partner, Sabine Grufa, uh, couldn't be here with us right now. But um, just so you know, we, uh, we co-directed the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Indeed. And it is, yeah. It is a, it's a documentary and uh, feature doc. We like to call it, you know, exactly what kind of doc, maybe an experimental doc. I've been referring to it as sort of an expressionistic doc, mm-hmm. whatever, that, that mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. opens it up a little to um, some of the more lyrical trajectories um, it takes. But um, yeah, so it's a, it's a documentary where, um, as Philip was saying, it's looking at the housing crisis in Spain. 
um, that followed the sort of 2008 global Armageddon, economic Armageddon. Um, the result in Spain um, was a landscape littered with um, what the Spanish, I think, really charmingly call interrupted developments. Um, <laughs> these housing projects and uh, all sorts of real estate developments that are um, were kind of caught in this limbo of being half built or partially built, partially constructed or planned and never fully realized, um, some variation or version of, of kind of being interrupted or incomplete. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we got interested in was not only that as the sort of um, the way the economic crisis expressed itself as this kind of landscape of, of abandonment in Spain, but then um, we also became very interested in the sort of political activism that's um, growing out of the crisis. And uh, what we mostly are focusing on um, are the series of housing and kind of building occupations that um, began to spread sort of the ground zero of that movement um, for, for sort of picking the locks and moving into a lot of these abandoned buildings, these kind of interrupted developments. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of, uh, you can trace it to Seville, that was kind of the hotbed of this, of this uh, what was called the Kerala movement, and it subsequently sort of spread throughout the country. Um, so that's what we were looking at, both the sort of the housing crisis as kind of a physical, spatial thing, but also as a um, matter of as a sort of political movement. Um, yeah, and I was really struck by the sort of the the spirit of the filmmakers in this case to travel to Spain, and uh, some of this film was shot on film. Uh, am I right about that? Was it 16 millimeter? Yeah, yeah, we're su- super 16. Yeah, so... Um, chunk of it is that, yeah. That's a, that particular format is not as common these days for for many things and certainly with um with documentaries you're you're when you're shooting on film you're sort of depriving yourself of a certain amount of 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 leeway uh, and 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 ability to to keep shooting for hours and hours and hours at very low cost and i just wanted to know with you and sabine like what was the initial inspiration for you to to decide you were going to make a film in spain on super 16 millimeter <laughs> and then what what did you know ahead of time and what did you know once you got there yeah yeah oh, those are those are those are big questions <laughs> <laughs> what did come we come out know? of the gate swinging right, right <laughs> up top what did we know beforehand was not a hell of a lot i mean that's um maybe one way to begin answering the question so I, I definitely want i won't evade the question about oh, no, no. 16 at all but it sort of started with a visit to a film festival in Pamplona, this doc, this pretty great doc festival. And uh, on the train trip from Madrid, you know, Spain has these great um, high speed, this great kind of high speed rail system. And on the, the train trip from um, Madrid to Pamplona, we saw these weird things in the far distance. Like you're out in the middle of nowhere, right? In the sort of Spanish countryside. And we would every so often glimpse these what look like kind of a ba- massive like entire ghost cities i mean not, not just that's part of what was striking is the scale of these kind of abandoned developments so we we were we we saw a couple of the instances of what seemed to be kind of like ghost cities and we thought what in the world is that what are we seeing mm-hmm. so that was kind of i mean that that began a, you know a series that began our interest in and our kind of research into the um, into, into what we were seeing as just a physical phenomenon, and that kind of led to the that kind of unrolled into the into the project that you know what became the film project. 
but yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, that's sort of like the sort of shorthand version of the, of, you know, how we came up with the idea as, you know, as for the format and the filmmaking, I mean, you're totally right is, is, you know, the, the choice to use a, a medium as kind of precious as 16, especially, I mean, for us <laughs> as no budget independent filmmakers slash teachers, mm-hmm. um, I, it is a decision that we didn't take lightly. Um, you know, it's kind of what you're saying, Philip, is, you know, the idea of shooting film, film when you're shooting film, when you're actually shooting 16, I mean, it requires a, a, um, a lot of selectivity um, and a kind of care about what you're shooting. I mean, it has to, uh-huh. in a way, it sort of means um, every shot has to matter, whatever that means, matter in a lot yeah. of different ways. Right? I, have, so. I have a question about that later in the show. Too. <laughs> <laughs> and Phil and I have had some extensive conversations about this vis-a-vis some filmmakers that have transferred over from film to digital and the effect that that's had on their, oh, right. oh, exactly. their filmmaking, you know, like, uh, totally. you know, David Lynch being one of the most prominent one. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. What happens like with duration and spontaneity and yeah, I mean all mm-hmm. sorts of, so, but I mean to sort of enter into that with your eyes more or less wide open is to sort of um, make it part of the, the terms of the filmmaking. Right. So, I mean, that was, but we were interested in that, this sort you know, the set of limitations and kind of impracticalities of that format kind of worked its way into the way we understood the project and sort of how we approached it. Um, we wanted to work within the limitations of the format for various reasons, you know, for aesthetic reasons. Um, we have, Sabine and I both have long conversations about, you know, the appropriateness or at least what we find to be the sort of the formal kind of, uh, so there's something formally interesting about shooting static subjects shooting space and kind of like physical space um on film there's and maybe it has something to do with like static subjects being captured by a, a medium that's anything but static i mean you're i don't know when you, you, know, you were at, I, I should take this opportunity to say that bill was one of my professors when i was in, in grad school and you are just <laughs> kind of opening up like this whole realm of discussion here talking about uh the appropriateness of shooting film on a static subject. And um, personally, I feel like I notice the difference when I'm watching film. I noticed that this was shot on 16. When I, and, then, and then later on, when some of the nighttime scenes, I could tell that it was definitely digital video. Um, but your, your movie is almost part of a great tradition of, of canonized documentaries that were shot on film by people like Werner Herzog and Errol Morris and Les Blank. And, um, because while this movie is shot on film and, and film is expensive, it's not like a cinema verite style. Uh, you get the impression that this is a very controlled uh, photography. It's very deliberate, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah. You, you have a lot of portions of the film where the camera is, is kind of like a, a static sort of, um, you know, documenter of, of people, of, of a scene or group of people. And um, it's the shots often last for 10 seconds or 10 or 15 seconds, and then they cut away. And um, I, I, was, I wanted to ask you, and talking about you know, university-themed questions, here's another big question. Feel free to downgrade it as much as you like. But what is your philosophy about... Uh, filming a film like this where you've got a, a, a very well-composed uh, image 
that was carefully set up and 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 the eye level was was carefully set up and the and the position of the camera vis-a-vis the 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 people in the film was very carefully set up how do you decide how long to hold the shot and uh does that process you know um is it is it kind of a fixed uh sort of formula and i, I don't mean to say it's formulaic but when do you decide you've you've got the shot and you can turn it off and and save the film for something else? Yeah, no, I mean those are great questions, man. I you know I, I you know sometimes it's a matter of I mean it becomes a kind of conceptual filmmaking, right? I mean it's a different way of thinking about at least for us it's a it's it's kind of a different way of understanding documentary, right? I mean uh-huh. because yeah, we're we're definitely as much as I respect and I'm interested in you know cinema verite or like direct cinema or kind of observational documentary filmmaking. Um, I mean, you know, we're thinking, and this is probably a long way of answering that question, but I mean, we're thinking more about the film, about the film and filmmaking as a kind of, you know, as a, maybe as an essay film, as, mm-hmm. a, as, as we're, we're thinking of it sort of as a conceptual, as, as a series of, um, uh, maybe as an intellectual exercise, mm-hmm. <laughs> as a way of understanding the world by, and maybe the broad, like as an attempt to make sense in this case of sort of the the political economy or the social economy of you know early twenty first century mm-hmm. globalism um, by way of the, of some particular instances or expressions of it that we find you know in the world or in Spain, um, which is to say, so because of that, I think the the approach we have is I mean deliberate is I think yeah Andrew is, I mean that's a really that's a word I would I would like to. I would, I'd like to think that we're operating according to a sort of deliberate way of, of you know, making the film. Um, but I think we have, yeah, I mean, I think we have kind of questions in mind mm-hmm. as we, but rather than, uh, rather than approaching um, the spaces that we enter or the kind of like the world we enter as, uh, as observers um, or as journalists or as people who are like as a vacuum for just as, as, as filmmakers are trying to vacuum up as much material as possible. I think we're, um, I mean, we're trying to make sense out of, uh, like we, we've got, pro- we, I guess we have questions or problems in our mind that we're trying to kind of resolve through the filmmaking process. I, I mean, I, now I feel like I'm speaking really abstractly and I don't know. If <laughs> no, 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 I think that that's I think I think that's completely uh, legitimate. I, I, the the way that I see it is you're sort of saying that like as you're when you're on set when you're not on set when you're on location right, right. filming, um, you're you're extrapolating the things that are interesting to you as you're doing it, and you're filming things that you think might be relevant to that extrapolation further down the line. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think that's right. And um, yeah, so which which offers like yeah. So I mean, I think there's. Uh, I mean, the particulars of like when, you know, when a shot, like how long a shot plays out, right? I mean, I think there, there are, that, that becomes a matter of just the, you know, moment of the filming, right? I mean, there's decisions that precede the act of setting up the camera and, you know, that go into the decision where to point the thing. And, um, but then there's also an interest, I mean, especially any, any kind of, I mean, we're, we're definitely not playing with the limits of durational cinema. I mean, definitely, as you know, Philip, I'm sure it's, you know, your experience that through the Duke program, I mean, you know, there's sort of like extreme kinds of expressions of durational cinema that are very interested in kind of like 
keeping the camera rolling as long as is humanly possible or making a right. kind of film that's about the amount of time that passes. I mean, we're not, of course, dealing with that kind of durational cinema, but I mean, in our small, in our small kind of shorter form way, I think we are interested in what happens when you allow the camera to, to, to run for a while. Well, what I happens saw, when you, yeah, you yeah, strategically I, enter an environment knowing yeah. that probably something's going to play out in front of the lens. And then you sort of, you kind of cross your fingers, flick on the, the, sw- the camera switch and, and then see what plays out, right? And then... I think you basically nailed it in, in a very sort of um, practical way, you know, about what your, what your philosophy is according to this type of photography. And in a way, you're... I've been there. I know exactly what you're doing, and I just wanted to hear you say it. But not only are you, you know, filming what's in front of the camera, you're also filming what's all around you because as I'm sure you probably do, you're checking what's outside the eyepiece, what's going to enter the frame, what's, what's about to leave the frame. And you're, you're sort of directing using your, your mirror observation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I like looking at, at the, the, the way that this, film is made and the deliberate sort of nature of it and the kind of lingering uh, for extended periods of time without any voiceover or any mm-hmm. di- diegetic sound or anything, <clears throat> just kind of lingering over these sort of decayed spaces or landscapes. Um, not to not to further stroke your ego after Phil uh, was talking about Werner Herzog and Errol Morris and all that, but I actually thought a, uh, a fair amount about Antonioni while I was yeah, yeah, right. watching this, yeah, like these kind of <laughs> like human constructions on these kind of desolate landscapes. And um, like it, it, it had that kind of, uh, and I thought it fit perfectly with the, the thematic elements of the film because it was this kind of... Uh, failure of mankind to serve the individual <laughs> like you know i mean there's like a very antonioni kind of uh no but that's really uh, what it is so i think that yeah. that's that's the larger you know uh, the larger question of the film is is you know what are we going to do about this failure basically i mean it's no, like for sure and i mean what's in, what was interesting to us too is like so we it turned out you know so after we began the project we of course we we came across a film that had followed sort of had had sort of followed a similar path. And of course it was by some German guy, and I forget <laughs> who this guy is, who had like made these like kind of beautifully photographed, um, I mean he he it was like really beautifully photographed film where he went to a lot of these kind of failed, these interrupted developments, right? And it was it was all about the kind of architecture. And I mean in a way it felt in a way it felt very German. It was sort of this dystopian, you know, these dystopian landscapes. It was all about the physical space, all about the architecture, all about this kind of built environment and this kind of like um, uh, this kind of like failed, um, you know, sort of like urbanism, at, like on a on a on a dead planet, right? This kind of like failed mm-hmm. urbanist project. And I mean, we were, and we you know tipped our hat to that, but we were very much interested too in having that that one kind of and like you said, Philip, there is like a kind of tradition I think of this kind of filmmaking and. I mean, bringing up Antonioni, I think of James Benning too. Um, I mean, there's lots of work that is kind of a that, that that kind of that we're informed by that we're thinking about. But and, but on the other hand, too, we were very interested then in in sort of a counter argument to our own kind of impulses as filmmakers and maybe as 16 millimeter filmmakers. So it turns out there's also you know when we broke out the video camera, when there was video camera making, it was often about the activists, right? It was often about people who were 
in some way directly engaging with these environments and trying to do something about it. And it was kind of this, so we also became interested in, in sort of like what was like pushing back against this kind of melancholy dystopian image making that we seemed to be doing was, was this other force, which was kind of utopian and, mm -hmm. and playful and kind of rowdy. Um, and we became very interested in that as well. Um, and we wanted to, so in a way it was like kind of bumping up a kind of like direct action, very human, fleshy, like, in your face kind of political activism against something else, you know, this more austere, deliberate kind of right. um, way to visualize Spain, you know, post-crisis Spain. I wanted to also ask you the, the displaced citizens that are in your film. Um, do you think that they perceived you as being on their side or that you were advocates for their cause? And they wanted to cooperate with you. Yeah, I mean that's in fact the, the a few times where we've played the film. I mean the kind of that you know the typical the questions come up like why didn't you talk to more bankers and real estate developers? I mean there was this idea like there is still you know the I and all we can Sabine and I do is just kind of we shrug and we're like I mean clearly this is this is you know. Very. This, uh, very this is subjective. not Michael. This is not Michael Moore uh, style documentary. It where may not. But I mean, it's pretty clear. I, I mean, I think our biases are pretty clear, though, right? I mean, it's. It, I mean, I don't know if it goes so far as to be like advocacy filmmaking, but I mean, I think our sympathies are pretty damn clear. <laughs> and we don't talk to bankers and developers, and we don't try to rationalize the situation. And we are kind of, you know, I mean, there is something, there is something about the kind of utopianism of the activists that we find we we find really appealing. If in the end, I don't, you know, we don't know exactly what it means. Um, yeah. And, and I really, I really liked, uh, you know, sort of going off of what we were just talking about and then also sort of this, uh, kind of where your hearts as filmmakers lie and where the heart of the film itself lies. I felt like there was a, a, a sort of a, a major shift in the film that came maybe midway through a little bit more than midway, I guess. Um, because, because the, the start of the film, I thought I was like, oh, this is going to be a documentary about the, the crisis. It's going to be a documentary of the economic fallout. We're going to get into all the kind of technical stuff. Right, right. Um, but then there's a moment when you have sort of the first person interviews with the people who are looking directly into the camera and and uh, and talking about how it had affected them all in this one location. Right. And it suddenly took on this very sympathetic human quality. It was it wasn't as much a, a, any longer about kind of the the empty landscapes and the and the deteriorating housing and all that kind of stuff. It suddenly became very much about the the people and that for me just sort of like kickstarted the movie and and really I I was I was uh I was suddenly cognizant of the the human factor of it and then I think when you kind of sink into that um by the time they're digging their cave yeah, right. houses out of the, where the bulldozers have filled it in. Like, you know, you're like, oh, this injustice cannot stand. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, thanks for noticing. I mean, and that's great that you, I'm glad you felt that. I mean, that was, there. that is sort of the, you know, by, by design or like, you know, kind of how we were structuring the thing. Like, yeah, we wanted to sort of like, like, I guess we were thinking like, there's a kind of a step, we sort of wanted to establish something, establish this kind of big picture and then kind of move toward, yeah, like, more specific human drama, the more more kind of like the particularities of, of like of, of specific human stories, mm -hmm. um, and and that's yeah, the, the, and it's sort of the film 
then becomes more and more kind of focused on this on Crowley Utopia, that that particular building that's in Seville, right? And yeah. kind of it's it's the last days of that, that particular squat um, or occupation occupied building. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the film does kind of move down into this kind of it kind of narrows its focus after sort of yeah. Which probably tracks our own experience, you know, in terms of like our own, like speaking my own experience of like coming to Spain, looking around, being like, what the fuck is all this that we're saying? And then <laughs> just sort of like moving, like moving towards some, you know, narrowing our focus, zooming in on particular, the particularities of, of the kind of political response um, yeah. to the crisis. What was the total sort of time you spent shooting in Spain from beginning to end? Yeah, so we were there in the, uh, let's see, the summer of, we actually went the summer of 2013, mm -hmm. and so we were there a couple months, and then we came back and realized we de definitely needed to shoot more. So um, Sabine had a sabbatical in the in the winter of 2014, and I took off. I just I went on leave from my job. So then we were there for the sort of um, winter of 2014 into the spring of 2014, mm -hmm. um, and then finished it about a year ago. You know, the film premiered. A year ago this month um was that at uh, ann arbor that, no well premiered at cph docs in copenhagen oh okay but the stock festival well um i'll let the listeners know um this film actually speculation nation won the top documentary prize at the ann arbor film festival which right. you know is is the michael moore yeah documentary yeah award. yeah it's it, it's a big deal <laughs> and um I also wanted to ask you if you ever encountered any hostility while you were over there when you had your camera out and, and you were involved in a highly politicized, uh, you know, mise-en-scene. Sometimes there was protesting and, and yeah, pub no, public burnings. And <laughs> right, although that was, yeah. I mean, that was a celebration, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Spanish are so damn, I mean, part of the, so, I mean, maybe to answer that question, there's kind of the other question that, that sometimes comes up, which was, you know, why did, why did a couple of American, you know, it's like, wasn't there a huge housing, economic and housing crisis in the U.S.? Like, why did you guys have to go to Spain to, like, figure that out? Or what was that about? And, I mean, part of what we were really interested in, sort of another part of the whole film, was, like, the way that, you know, the Spanish crisis and the Spanish response or certain Spaniards' response to the crisis became a kind of funhouse mirror on the crisis in the U.S., yeah. which we knew more about, which we had more, which we were more familiar with, and sort of, and also a kind of mirror on how Americans responded, the political response, or maybe lack of political response. So it's, so in a way, it became an interesting way to sort of reflect on, on what was, for us, a more familiar domestic American um, version of the crisis and the housing right. crisis and the fallout from the housing crisis. Um, but one of those, one of the many ways in which Spain reflects itself, you know, the, reflects itself in the funhouse mirror back onto like our reality here is like the, the, you know, I mean, the cops aren't as scary in Spain and the, <laughs> maybe the, I, I can't, I shouldn't say the protesters aren't as violent and crazy. They're probably more violent and crazy in Spain, but I mean, it, it turned out there, yeah, there strangely like having a, a camera in those it, it, like we never found ourselves sort of having problems having cameras and, and i mean the thing you may notice i know philip you certainly make films it's like i mean if, if you've broken out a camera in public space what's supposedly public space in the u.s these days it can actually i mean things changed a lot i noticed as a filmmaker you know after 9 11 suddenly the contract had changed i mean this sort mm -hmm. of like 
contractual terms of what it means to like have a camera in public space. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it began to feel very different. I, I, I found myself, I found it much more difficult to sort of shoot in public spaces without being confronted for some reason or questioned for some reason. And yeah. That's, I, I, that there's still, I mean, a, there still is a sense that there is such a thing as public space in Spain, you know, and then B that you have a, a right to be there with your camera. And mm. um, that was actually, I think some, something sort of interesting. Um, the only time we had any problems was Sabine started videotaping some cops at one of the protests. Yeah. And they got pretty upset with her for day- that. <laughs> apparently it is, there is something, there is some, it's not, it's not something that I think is totally legally protected in Spain. I don't think you can just put a camera in a cop's face. Mm, right, um, right, right. Yeah. But mostly well, it was, yeah, no, it's, we, we didn't encounter too many problems, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. I I found this uh, interesting. I, I I find it interesting when you talk about it being kind of the funhouse mirror version of the uh, uh, American crisis because um, this was like maybe that like this the the skinny funhouse mirror that makes you look like tall and skinny. And then on the other hand, there was an episode of Vice uh, from I think the last season of Vice where they went to China. Right. And there, there were these similar kind of ghost towns right. as to what you're exploring here, right. um, but in 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 a uh, it's a different side of the funhouse die, I guess <laughs> wouldn't be a coin because there's multiple sides, but uh, uh, where the government had poured all the, this money into housing developments in order to prop up the economy, right. but and then there were these ghost towns that were populated by only a few people, and I, I was thinking about that a little bit while I was watching this and how different the circumstances were because a lot of these developments, including that massive airport that you highlight in the film, that's totally vacant. It operated for what, like three years or something. And then it was totally vacant. Yeah. Has the the longest runway in all of Europe. Yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. all this crazy stuff, but it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was funded by private capital. It was yeah, all privately thing. funded. Right. That was the thing. That was the thing about the Spanish, the Spanish crisis is, is it was a crisis of, of private capital for sure you know yeah um, nuts. <laughs> it is. it's nuts it's really nuts it's really nuts so yeah a lot of a lot of private investors poured a lot of money into spanish real estate development you know built statues of their parents <laughs> <laughs> which stand proudly and yeah. eternally like in the middle of failed real estate developments you know yeah yeah it's a different it's, right it was a different it's Though, it's you know, wild. You it's probably, totally wild. You know, scratch the surface, and there's, of course, there was there was bad policy making, right? I mean, and there was sort of the acquiescence of a, of the government to, of course, of course, to let sort of misguided development happen, and there was that yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to know: Did you show the finished film to the residents yes. of the Corala Utopia? Yeah. So, I mean, they, we've sent a link over there. I, we have. This is one we have failed so far to get a screening in Spain, Philip. So huh. I mean, so and we've been kind of waiting for that in order to like. Our intention is definitely to to um, go down to Seville, which was where we had sort of our the kind of closest contacts, and and we made some friends down there. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done it yet. And I think part of it, yeah, partly we're just we were hoping some Spanish film festival would like put the bill and get us to Spain first, and then we could like you know set up a screening down there and it hasn't happened in fact i mean the film's been rejected by quite a few spanish film festivals and i mean we've got theories about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
one programmer talked to her, maybe he was being generous, but I mean, one programmer made the point that, you know, in Spain, kind of right after, you know, as we finished the film, um, you know, the Spanish had been living the crisis, right? So, I mean, everything in the film is, is totally old news to them. Um, it had been like sort of on, on their TV screens and in their newspapers for years, right, before we even got to Spain. Mm-hmm. And then what, had, what began to happen was, uh, you know, the political, as you guys probably know, you know, the, the kind of political left, especially kind of some extreme left parties began to get, um, had some good fortune in the European parliamentary elections, I think, last mm-hmm. year. And that included this one called Podemos, which is this lefty Spanish political party. So anyway, as our film premiered and as it was sort of available to be screened, I mean, like the Spanish were already moving forward with what seemed to be like the next chapter in in this story, which was the sort of rise of political of an actual political party, which is actually it has won quite a few regional elections. And there's talk that Podemos might win the next um, national election. Mm-hmm. So anyway, not that you guys want to hear about the fortunes of the film in Spain, but it is kind of interesting to us that like um, that in in some ways, uh, you know, maybe the Spanish were ready for the, you know, for for this particular story and this particular film to be over. Like they'd had enough of this film. Well, that may for the next film. Like, that may be how we would have felt if if you made a film about our housing crisis. You know, sure, that we wouldn't sure. have. In a way, we can sort of view your film as a, a form of escapism uh, because it's not it's, the terrain is unfamiliar to us and the language is unfamiliar uh we can appreciate it for what it is maybe without being stung by it like if it was just in our own backyard oh that's that's an interesting point you know plus i mean us americans we don't know anything about any other place in the world right <laughs> so for us it's like oh right. wow i didn't know that you know i didn't know spain had a house <laughs> 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 so and that was yeah. kind of our thought too though what honestly was was to you know again this idea of the film as a kind of reflection on or kind of mirror held up to you know what had been our american experience of the crisis we we were also i mean we sabine and i didn't knew hardly anything about the crisis and we certainly hadn't heard about this occupation movement um in spain and that was really interesting to us and we thought you know maybe there would be audiences outside Spain and particularly American audiences who would, who would be interested. I mean, obviously we had Occupy Wall Street, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there, there was some kind, something in the air, something in the global air, um, some, like some kind of zeitgeist for, for occupation, right? And like some kind of like political response to the economic crisis. Um, so that was, you know, we were hoping at least, you know, if not in Spain, other places, other audiences might find it to be a kind of interesting subject. So I, I thought it was a really great film and it was, yeah. it was kind of like a, a showcase for a lot of great things that I be- first became exposed to while I was in grad school. Cool. And, um, it was, I just, I gotta say, I really do enjoy the sort of the, the human portraits that you you convey in very short bursts just these very brief shots where you were just observing people and the camera was very unobtrusive and uh, it was just kind of a real pleasure to, to to see life carefully composed and edited with you know with a very kind of atmospheric soundtrack and it was it was a, a very kind of a humanist film as well as a film about a, a, a financial crisis that has really affected a, a wide swath of people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
and I, I definitely enjoyed the film as well. I thought that it was, I, I like the kind of uh, sort of contemplative tone of the film and the, and the patience of it. Um, I think it, it, it certainly does a good job, as I said before, of kind of pulling you into the world. Once we get the human stories, it's, it's actually works in a very kind of fascinating way where you kind of establish the landscape and then get into the, the meat of it. Um, and then I, I, I think that it, uh, your, the voiceover that you guys provide, um, is, is, uh, spare, but, uh, well, well, placed and well thought out i like there isn't any extraneous information i guess is what i'm trying to say um and uh and i really like that a a lot and i'll i'll say that there is an image towards the end of the film that i think sort of summed up a lot of the film for me that i thought was really wonderful there is a shot that you have of this kind of maquette that had been uh i guess in probably the lobby of one of these developments you know uh, uh, the scale model that had basically been crumbled <laughs> and fallen to the ground. And it was this, it was a scale model of this beautiful development, but it was, you know, it was, it was completely ruined. <laughs> and it was this kind of like just visual metaphor of the entire, uh, entire crisis, the entire, the circumstances of the film and the circumstances of these, that these people have found themselves in. Um, I, I liked it. I thought it was very, very interesting, very informative, uh, very revelatory. Um, all of these things. Well, thanks for um, saying, and thanks for mentioning that shot. But by, by the way, I mean, it was at this like abandoned golf course development that was completely yeah. in the middle of nowhere. No one was around. And what was funny was like, it was lying there, like practically just like at the entrance of the place. And it felt a little like, like you say, I mean, for us, it was like coming across the scene of the finding the the, the murder weapon. It was like, yeah, here yeah. it is. Like, it was who laid this out for us to see, right? You know, the yeah. developer's beautiful skate, like model of this development, and then in the middle of this like desert landscape of you know crumbling ruins of the development, and it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was fascinating. It was fascinating. Little, like yeah, finding the crime scene, so. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you again so much for joining us, Bill. Uh, you and Sabine have made an excellent film. Um, I hope that you will give her our regards as well um, and share this podcast with her. Uh, we will, of course, share it with our audience. Uh, I'm excited for them to hear about it. Um, again, folks, the film is entitled Speculation Nation. Uh, and uh, Bill, is there? Uh, how will people be able to, to see this film in the coming months years anything like that do you do you have that's actually that's a good question i mean it will ultimately festivals it's kind of finishing up with its its festival life and so now we're we we need to be in thinking about yeah that very good question which is kind of making it available (laughs) publicly um there is if you if 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 your listeners were to go to sabine grufa's website which is sabinegrufa.com um there's a link uh to the to the film's pay web page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there they'll fi- folks can find information about future screenings and ultimately find ways to sort of get their hands on the film if they're interested. So, yeah. We can definitely uh, make that link part of our post um, okay. online. Great. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah, we'll make it available yeah. to thanks, everybody. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and all of you listeners out there, please join us for our next episode when we'll be talking about the 23rd installment of the Bond franchise, Spectre. That's right. <laughs> uh, it should be an interesting discussion. So we hope you will join us for that. 
Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you then.